Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so Texas voters sent a clear message to the elected officials in Texas by sending Republicans to the Texas House and Senate with a majority. Now, Texas did not flip from red to blue like anticipated by some other people. Also, the former Speaker of the Texas House was sent home packing because of his weak pro-gun stance. Now Senator Bob Hall is trying to single-handedly kill constitutional carry in the state of Texas. Senator Bob Hall wants to out wants outside money and influencers to kill constitutional carry. Let me know if I'm right or am I wrong? Am I just, you know, reading into it too much? All right, let's get into this. Uh, we have inside the studio Rachel Malone. Good afternoon. Good to talk to you today. Yes, Rachel's from Gun Owners of America, and she's going to talk to us about some Texas bills and what's going on. What should you expect at the Texas Capitol uh, for 2021 as far as as far as pro-gun bills and anti-gun bills? I think we have a record number of anti-gun bills that have been filed in Texas this year. Yeah, so we are we still have about 47 days left of filing, so we can see a lot more bills filed. Last time around, at this point in session, there were about 40 bills total filed that, that related to your gun rights. Mm. Um, this time, right now, I'm at 80 bills on my tracker, despite uh, leadership from House and Senate saying, oh, you know, we're going to need to you know, dial back our number of legislation. No, apparently not when it comes to gun legislation. So there's already a record number of bills filed, some really, really great bills, and a lot of really terrible bills as well. Mm. All right, so we're going to get into these bills and see what's going on because, uh, man, I'm seeing a long list of bills that are just not not good. Because, uh, like, for example, there's House Bill 52, House Bill 245, banning private firearm sales at gun shows. 
Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you. All right, so if you want to sell a gun from one private person to another, it's very simple. You can go into the parking lot of Walmart. You can go to the parking lot of Target. You can go to the parking lot of Academy. You can go to my parking lot. You can go to anyone's parking lot, and you can transfer a firearm from one person to another. When it comes to purchasing guns in the state of Texas, you don't need a license to purchase guns. Guns are not registered. The only guns that are registered are machine guns, firearm silencers, zip guns, AOWs, any other weapons. Those are the items that are registered in Texas. So if you want to transfer a semi-automatic firearm from one person to another, all you have to do is meet that person anywhere at your house, their house in a parking lot, anywhere, and you could transfer that firearm from one person to another. You don't have to get a background check done. So when it comes to banning background checks at gun shows, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish by even doing this. I right? think they're trying to scare everybody. So I, I hate the way that they talk about this, you know, gun show loophole as if suddenly, you know, you go to a gun show and all the criminals can legally obtain guns. That's not at all what what's happening. We don't we don't have some law that says, well, at a gun show, everything is different. <laughs> uh, like, like, you know, Michael, you have a gun store. You're an FFL. If your gun store set up a booth at a at a, at a gun show, you don't have some loophole that suddenly allows you to just hand out all the free guns to everybody, all the criminals who come in and whatever is on their background. Um, so the way it works is if you have an F if you are an FFL dealer, then yes, you have to run a background check on people when they come to your store or wherever it ha wherever that transfer takes place for a transfer. But for private sales, like you said, you don't have to, no matter where that transfer takes place, you get to decide. And it's very important that Texas not only have the right to purchase firearms and sell their firearms as they wish, but but pulling it back from the gun issue, it's just a matter of can I dispose of my property how I choose to? Can I sell my property to the person I choose to sell it to? You know, and if I'm selling my gun and there's somebody who I just don't really feel comfortable selling a gun to, I can either require a background check. I can require them to do five somersaults first. I can mark up the price. I can just say, no, I'm not going to sell it to you. So I can already I can already accomplish, you know, any purpose of, hey, I don't want to sell it to this person. I don't have to. Or I can make them get a check. Uh, but what they're trying to do with these with these gun show gun show restrictions is just really really hamper people from being able to buy and sell their own uh, buy and sell property personal property as they choose to yeah and then also to add into that you go ahead but also if universal background checks go into effect and there are no more private sales that you cannot do without a background check then by fiat, that becomes a registry, doesn't it? Exactly. And and you'll even see in at least one of the bills that was filed that that is universal background checks, which does mean you have you can't just have a private sale. You have to run that sale, run that uh, buyer through a background check for a sale, for any kind of transfer, for a loan, for a gift, for anything, right? Um. So, but yes, it, it becomes a de facto registry. At least one of the bills filed literally says you have to keep these records, including very private records of the of the people of the gun sold. Um, it it is actually creating a gun registry. That's not what Texans want. Yeah, they're uh, quite scary when you think about. Oh them. my gosh, yes. All right, so you have a House Bill One Eighteen, which is banning firearms from transfers between certain family members and friends, requiring FFLs to process these transactions that would include federal paperwork for government approval at an undetermined fee. So now we're talking about, you know, banning transfer of firearms from one private person to another. If your mother wanted to give you a gun, gift you a gun, you wouldn't be able to do it. 
if your father wanted to give you a gun, you know, son, you know, welcome, you know, welcome to be an adult. You're going to go about the, you know, go about, go into the world. Here's a firearm so you can use to protect yourself. He would have to get a background check through a gun store, even on his son or the mother, her son, in order to transfer that firearm. Let me tell you, that is just crazy. House Bill 118, you know, that's insane. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a couple of the bills have some kind of exception for inheritance or exception for very close relatives or family members. That's not going to cut it. I'm, I'm sorry, but that is still absolutely insanely restrictive of our right to keep and bear arms, of our ability to freely transfer our property as we choose. So that's unacceptable. Yeah. And then now, uh, men. Coming in, coming in on the you know second and third place, you got House Bill One Twenty Seven banning long gun open carry with limited huh. exceptions. So now we're you know we haven't you know we've been able to openly carry a long gun in Texas ever since eighteen seventy. Ever since eighteen seventy. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We're going to talk about that when we come back from the break. You know, Dennis Bonin is no longer House Speaker due to a weak two A stance, and now Bob Hall is trying to single handedly kill constitutional carry and we'll talk about that <laughs> rachel malone <laughs> of gun owners of america is here to talk about uh, the current bills in this session for texas also the travis county da jose garza he has indicted two austin police officers he's sending a clear message that you know what even if you're a police officer if you have committed a crime you too can be prosecuted this is michael cargill and you are listening to come and talk it this is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right. So the Texas voters sent a clear message to the elected officials in Texas by sending Republicans to the Texas House and Senate with the majority. Texas did not flip from red to blue. Also, the former Speaker of the Texas House was sent home packing because of his weak pro-gun stance. And now Senator Bob Hall is trying to single-handedly, that's right, I said, I said it, Michael Cargill said it, single-handedly kill constitutional carry in the state of Texas. Senator Bob Hall wants outside money influencers to kill constitutional carry. By putting it on the ballot, 
you will allow outside influencers to come in and, you know, and just drop money like Bloomberg, just throw money into this and kill what so many people have trying to get past here in Texas. You say no. Okay, so let's talk about this. Rachel okay. Malone. Okay, so set me straight. So if you're telling me that you think Senator Bob Hall is somehow completely flipped on his stances and is trying to become anti-gun and kill all the legislation he's been standing up for, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm okay. what I'm saying is Senator Bob Hall does not want this to pass because there are people that are in the Texas State Rifle Association that they want to keep the handgun license the way it, we have it here today. They don't. There are some people that actually are on the board of the Texas State Rifle Association that believe that the only people who should carry guns are police officers. Okay, so I think here in this room, or at least I can definitely speak for myself, and I think for us, we want to see constitutional carry, which means we don't think Texans should have to should have to obtain a government permit in order to carry a handgun. So the way I see it. If you can own it, you should be able to carry it. If you can legally possess a handgun, you should be able to carry that gun, open or concealed, no permit required. Um, and that's something that definitely Senator Hall has been fighting for and standing strong for. And so we we saw a couple pieces of legislation filed. Um, one is a full constitutional carry bill by Representative Biederman that I'm sure we're going to come back to. That's on the House side. On the Senate side, what we're discussing now is SJR 24 by Senator Bob Hall, which proposes a constitutional amendment, and it would state that the legislature does not have the power to mandate that citizens have to get a license in order to carry a gun. In yeah. essence, if it passed, it would nullify our license law, um, our, our license requirement. Now, I, I want you to pull up the what they're proposing that we actually do, because they're proposing that we change the Texas Constitution. Exactly. So I, I want you to pull it up and read it though, and read uh, it and read it to you know uh, read it to everyone. Yeah, out yeah, loud. I can read that. I can read All right, that so right. I want to bring it to the conversation. Um, man, we have on Skype, Derek. Derek, Derek, come on in here. Derek, get some of this. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I missed you. Hey, how are you doing? Oh no, I'm I'm fantastic. So here's here's the 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 biggest part of what y'all were talking about. You, uh, Rachel, you had mentioned that. Uh, the universal background checks at the state level would be effectively be a de facto registration, and it is. Uh, but then again, we already have that in the form of 4473s because FFLs are required to keep them for at least 20 years. Uh, so there you have a de facto registration as well, and those are awful. Uh, right. It's, so, it's so, so it already exists. Owns. Right. It already exists for the, for the guns that are required to have a background check. And so, if we expand background checks, it expands a gun registry. It's not oh, a registration. No, it's absolutely. a. It's a. The the FFL dealers are the database for the ATF. Right. So, in, in case a gun absolutely. is being found stolen or used in a crime, they're just the database. That's all that is. Not a registration. Okay, but there is a database. Uh, so I like when we disagree. Yeah, it's a <laughs> I like when we disagree. <laughs> When the ATF comes up and says, hey, I need to audit your 4473s, they're yes. looking at your registry, Mike. Um, but but, but the thing is, like, a lot of people don't seem to understand, and this is a huge unpopular opinion, felons are people too, and they have just as much of a right to defend themselves as you do. And so all of this is entirely missing the point. The state shouldn't have the authority to dictate what is supposed to be a natural right. The government didn't grant this right to us. It didn't bestow it upon us from its high and mighty throne. No, this is an inherent right to given to each individual from nature, from God, whatever your beliefs are. And the state has no authority to sit superior to that station and say, nope, no, no, no I, I know that God gave this to you, but, but 
we're we're gonna we're gonna dial it back just just a little bit just, just for your safety. And so, really, I I, I think that uh, while I while I applaud constitutional carry uh, and I think it's great, I fully support it. You know, be, this is what I lobbied for when I was with LSGR. Uh, I think we really need to start zooming past those conversations as well as to what gun rights actually means, because it is inherent to us. Uh, you know, there was uh, bef shortly before I left LSGR, there was an individual in uh, Louisiana who defended his son from being kidnapped. His name is Hakeem Dumas. His son was going to be kidnapped by two men his ex-wife sent. And he shot and killed one and shot and wounded the other. And even the Paris Sheriff's Department said, yes, it was a justified shooting, but he was a felon. So they uh, arrested him and he's now facing 20 years in prison for defending his son. But, you know, we don't talk about things like this because a lot of us, it, our culture has dehumanized felons and anybody who had, does not have a perfect background. Uh, you know, Cody Wilson's another one. You had him on last week and he's a, he's a huge hero of mine. Cody Wilson... Uh, was, had a huge smear job of propaganda thrown against him uh, to defame him, him and, and to absolutely destroy his reputation because he had the audacity to engage in a private and consensual transaction uh, and uh, on a website where all of its members had to be 18, but this girl wasn't. But even still, Cody Wilson was a target of the ATF and now he can't legally own a firearm for quite some time because of this whole thing. So just just to let you everybody know, felons are people too. Martha Stewart is a felon, as CJ loves to point out. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I hate that the state always seems to have this, oh, well, hang on, we need to set these rules for people's safety. It's not about safety. It never has been about safety. As Mike, as you always point out, gun control has always been inherently racist. It's first uh institutions were racist the first laws were to prevent uh selling of firearms to native americans and then after that even in the dred scott decision the supreme court said oh no we definitely can't give uh, freed slaves free blacks citizenship because that would mean they could carry guns we can't have that it's always been this way it's always been about controlling the individual and that is something that we need to focus on, that it is an individual, natural right. And, Rachel, I appreciate all of your hard work. I, I really do. No, well, what I wanted to bring out also is I don't like to use the term, oh, for law-abiding citizens, because I'll talk about, you know, honest citizens, or uh, but— Honestly, if you if you look at some of the measures, so say the bump stock ban that was passed, anybody who owned a bump stock and didn't turn it in, they turned into a felon. Um, they could have a felony offense on their hand. So you know, I, I think I think that puts the question very well to gun owners and and others in Texas to say, hey, so if somebody owns this perfectly legal piece of plastic one day and then they refuse to turn it in or they forget about it and don't turn it in and it's still sitting there the same place on the shelf the next day and now it's against the law and that's a felony offense oh now do those people not deserve to have their gun rights just because they didn't maybe they forgot to turn that bump stock in or forgot they had it or decided not to because why should they so that that's an example and at goa i believe we've always said that uh Yes, if someone is convicted through correct due process of a heinous, violent crime, they can waive their right to possess a firearm until they've paid their debt to society. Uh, but 
that's something that should definitely be looked at and thought about differently. Yeah, it's, it's sad when, you know, there's a young lady that says here in the comments that, you know, her husband, you know, was convicted of a crime 20 years ago and cannot, you know, possess a firearm, uh, can't, well, can't buy one from a gun store or a federal firearms license dealer and can't get a handgun license because of something that he did 20 years ago. And I think it's funny how, you know, we've elected a vice president into office who's a top cop who, you know, went after certain people in the state that this person was in. And it, it's it's funny to me because now they're, you're going to see in the next year or two, you're going to see them push uh, a movement where they're going to try to do like universal background checks. And every time we get, you know, every stage of the gun movement, you know, you, you go back to the 1600s. Every turn that we make, we turn, it's always, it's racist, you know, measures and racist steps that we're taking when it comes to guns and when it comes to gun laws. And this is going to be the same thing when it comes when he talks when we're talking about universal background checks. But I want to go back to the constitutional carry for Texas, though. Yes. I want to talk about what is on this. What is it called? It's called a, a constitutional amendment. Amendment, and it's just something that we want on the ballot for the next election. Uh, so, what are we trying to accomplish? I think we're trying to change the Texas Constitution. Yes. So to be clear, this is the Texas Constitution, which I think is perfect the way it is. <laughs> With all its 500, however many That's hundreds right. of amendments we do every it's single year. It's perfect the way uh -huh. it is. So j just to be clear, the United States Constitution has been amended a, a total number of 27 times, including the first 10 amendments, which happened in the first couple of years. It was the Bill of Rights. Okay? And that's so 27. It's not that many. Right. It's, okay. it's very, very few okay. um, over the past couple hundred years. Uh, the Texas Constitution, on the other hand, is uh, enormous, growing, living apparently because it changes all the time and so every couple of years when the legislature meets they pass some some uh language that is a proposed constitutional amendment and it has to pass by in both the house and the senate by a two-thirds majority vote two-thirds is, is substantial and then it has to go to the people that next november for a vote so you've seen like anybody who's gone to the polls in a november of an odd year you've seen constitutional amendments to the texas constitution on your ballot um, it's it's a proposition to to amend the Constitution. So the one proposed by Bob Paul, um, let me read you what the Constitution so says. When we now. come back from the break, I'm gonna have you read awesome. that. Let's as soon as that. we come back from the break. All right, we're talking about constitutional care for Texas. We're talking about the the bills that have been filed in Texas this year, 2021. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Maj Pure. You're listening to Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right. So we're talking about the Texas legislative session uh, 2021. We're talking about pro-gun bills. We're talking about anti-gun bills. Talking about what's on, you know, what are some things you need to be concerned about in Texas? All right. So we have Rachel Malone of Gun Owners of America. And she's talking to us about, uh, we're, well, we're talking about this, this session and what's going to happen and what you need to do. We're going to talk about the process. I want to talk about... You know, what's happening? What do you need to expect when you go to the Capitol this year with COVID-19? Uh, what, you know, what, what, how is it going to look? Is it going to be a little different for you? And I know Rachel's been there this session and she'll, you know, tell us a little bit about that. But first, I want to talk about this. 
constitutional yes. amendment. Yes. So what's on it? What does it say? Um, so this says so currently our Texas Constitution says every citizen shall have the right to keep and bear arms in the lawful defense of himself or the state. But the legislature shall have power by law to regulate the wearing of arms with a view to prevent crime. That's what it currently says. That's what it currently says. And that little part there was added around 1870 in order to allow the legislature. 1870. Yes. In order to allow the first racist gun. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Senator Bob Hall has filed uh, a, a constitutional amendment to add that the legislature may not require a citizen of the state to obtain a license or permit to wear arms. In essence, what would happen if this passed, it would nullify our license law. It would be constitutional carry by constitutional amendments. Okay. So what are we trying to change it to? Yeah, because... I just I just, I just, just read so, that. All right, so read it one more time. So um, it would still say... The legislature shall have power by law to regulate the wearing of arms with a view to prevent crime. But it changes. And it would add, but may not require a citizen of the state to obtain a a license or permit to wear arms. So So basically the state is able to control where you can carry it and how you can carry it. But they just say you don't have – they can't require a license. Right. Is is that how I understand that? Yeah, because constitutional carry, like as as defined across the U.S., doesn't have to do with gun-free zones. Gun-free zones are a huge important issue to address. Uh, There are so many other gun rights issues and gun freedoms issues to address besides the permit requirement. But the permit requirement has been a huge thing that we've been fighting in Texas. Uh, I've been fighting that since 2012, so it's been quite a little bit now. Um, and so this would this is narrowly tailored to that particular end. Okay. Hey, Rachel, I got a question for you. Did sure. Bob Hall return his survey in 2018? Uh, I don't think he returned LSGR's survey whenever I was there. Uh, um, do you happen to know if he returned y'all's gun rights survey? I don't have the list offhand, but I'm I am almost certain that he did. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm just curious because uh, the way that he's handling this whole thing, I I uh, well, it just seems more like more of the same, you know. Like it, uh, you know, even Abbott said whenever constitutional carry was first introduced, what was that, 2014, uh, that he said, oh yeah, I'd sign it if it gets to my desk. Yeah, I support it, but didn't do anything to actually okay. help it along. Okay, hang on, you're saying more of the same. Let, let's let's back up for just a little bit. Constitutional carry was filed one time in the Senate. That was back in I want to say 2015. If I'm getting my years straight, I think that's correct. Um, by Don Huffines who was completely punished for that by Lieutenant Governor Patrick, and none of the other senators have dared since then to file anything related to constitutional carry because it would risk the ire of Lieutenant Governor, um, who would who would kill everything else they do. So I, I don't see this as more of the same. I see this as saying, no, we're going to stand up for something that the Republican Party of Texas, which is his party, has prioritized and asked the legislators to do, um, unlike so far any other senator has. There have been a couple other senators who've mentioned it. We're going to see what they do, which would be great. But I, I have a really hard time saying this is more of the same. I think this is a definite change from the same, which is, oh, let's not do anything about constitutional carry. And for those people that don't know, we're talking about constitutional carry. We're talking about that, you know, if you're in Texas and as long as you have a right to be in possession of a firearm, you will be able to carry said firearm is what we're talking about. You won't need a license at all. That's what we mean. We're right. saying constitutional carry. Yes. 
Right. Now, I want to talk about, you know, what's the process for getting into the Capitol now? Because we're in COVID-19, which is 2021, should be COVID-2021. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, here we are, you know, people are, are concerned about the pandemic. Uh, so the Rona. So what's the procedure for getting into the Capitol now? Because uh, you have the metal detectors, you know, normally, then you have the other line. That's the, the license holder line. You show them your handgun license. You go into the Capitol. You can, you know, talk to your elected officials. You can talk to their staff. Uh, you can, you know, you know, walk around the Capitol and, and, and check it out. So what do we have to do now? What's what does it look like? So I almost hesitate to answer because they keep on changing. Like they just they change it around every few days, every week. Okay. Um, you know, they, they it was closed for months and months. They opened it a couple of days later. They closed it because they're writing in the U.S. Capitol. But here's what I understand it to be that I think is going to be more or less the new normal. Um, so people can still come to the Capitol. They'll be required to wear masks. They will be asked or recommended to take a test, but I don't think that um, a test will be required for general entry into the Capitol and for entry into House, in, into um, the, the House of Representatives proceedings or committee hearings. What I'm seeing in um, rules proposed by the Senate is they are going to require a negative COVID test, not only for their members and their staff to get on the floor to do anything, but also for anybody who wants to come to a Senate hearing and testify. I believe that's what they're looking at. Um, mm. At least the House also. So they have funding for this. I, I am not quite <laughs> sure how that works. That's a little over my pay grade. Right. I, I don't have funding to figure that out. But um, so that's interesting. The other mm -hmm. interesting thing that I see, at least in the House, and I'm not sure what the Senate is doing about this, but they have uh, the set of emergency rules that goes into effect essentially now. And it could go back and forth depending on the COVID situation. And it says that, um, you know, that that right of the people to show up to committee hearings and give um, give meaningful input. Correct. They say that can be during a time of emergency. That right of the people can be satisfied through giving them a video link and video conference um, and allowing them to, I think the idea is just let them submit written comments and watch on video. Mm. Um, and they're also, um, even if they do have a hearing in person, they're going to, they will let people testify apparently during normal times or that they, they could let people testify at committee hearings, which is what we normally do all the time. Um, but also if you want to do something virtually, you can submit a written statement. Now, Here's what I find extremely interesting. Okay. When it comes to redistricting hearings, um, for that issue, they have the technology and feasibility and everything works out perfectly to be able to hold um, virtual hearings. So they're going to do regional hearings throughout the, throughout the state, but also, this is at least in the Senate, um, but also um, allow people to video conference in and give testimony via video conference because that works when you're talking about redistricting. Mm. But apparently redistricting is the only topic that works for it. Some reason technology doesn't work when you're trying to advocate for gun rights on video conference. <laughs> Yeah, because they don't want they know how many people are going to show up and want to you know voice their opinion. So that's why they're trying to limit uh, the people and, and limit you know who says what in those hearings. I'm, I'm sure. And uh, Thomas Harrison, you asked, uh, does that include Texas residents only, Mike? Well, what you're saying you're talking about constitutional carry, I believe. And no, that would mean that anyone that stepped foot in the state of Texas, as long as you can legally possess, you know, you can legally you know legally have a firearm, you would be able to carry said firearm even either in the open or concealed without a license. That's what constitutional carry is. Yeah, because Texas has never distinguished between a resident or a visitor. I mean, if, if, you're, if your license is, rep is recognized by Texas, you can carry in the same way as, as a Texas a Texan with a Texas license. And it will be the same way for constitutional carry. You know, if, if you meet the requirements to purchase a handgun, you could 
you could carry without a license under constitutional carry. All right. What do you think there, Zach? I don't know. Uh, it's like I'm sure you have been to the Capitol at some point where you have testified. A bill has come up. You've testified. You've said, no, we do not want this. It can be bad for this reason and this reason. And then just a whole line of people are testifying behind you saying the same thing. Nobody's testifying saying, yes, we need this bill. And then they vote on it and say, uh, we vote yes on this bill. It does happen, but honestly, the more it does, it can happen. But honestly, the more people who show up, especially right now with the makeup of the legislature with a gun issue. So Mike mentioned that, yes, voters elected Republicans. And I want to point out that Republicans cannot be trusted to stand up for our gun rights. However, the difference is at least their platform says they're supposed to stand up for gun rights. At least they pretend to. At least they like they 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 know the talking points that they they have to. Whereas the other major party in Texas actively fights against it. And I think pretty much everybody there is going to oppose not 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 completely, but mostly oppose it. So that's that's what we're working on here. Um, but yeah, it it does make a difference to show up. Like it puts them on notice that oh. This is not just a backroom deal anymore. People are watching what we do, and you know, GOA is going to be there and tell all of our constituents what we did on this vote. Hmm, maybe we should second guess this. Maybe we should not vote against gun rights. Yeah, it see, does make a difference. And see, I'm playing. I'm, I play chess. I don't play checkers. And so, if I was the Speaker of the House and I didn't want something, you know, to pass. I would, you know, have one of my, you know, have a senator or whoever or someone to, you know, propose to, you know, do it as an amendment, you know, as a constitutional amendment and then put it on the ballot for the people to actually vote on. And then that would open up, you know, outside money like uh, Bloomberg to come in and dump millions of dollars into Texas to run this campaign to actually kill it and to convince people not to vote for someone by showing them scary videos and scary talking points to kill constitutional carry. You know, that's what I would do. And and I'm a chess player. And, and honestly, when I look at this, you know, because if you don't want something to happen, you don't want to put yourself in the same position as Dennis Bonham, where, you know, we you saw how that all that came out and how that was a complete mess. Well, I don't want to put myself in that position. I want to be Speaker of the House for a very long time. So what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this instead. I'm going to, you know, let's let's let someone put it on the ballot. Let's let the people vote. It, and then we'll you know allow the outside influence, you know, those uh, secret packs uh, to come in and dump money into Texas and to say, you know, uh, this is bad for you. You don't want this. This is dangerous. Well, I would actually be very surprised if Lieutenant Governor Patrick, you know, pulls that through and tries to get a vote on it uh, because he has. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's going to try to do it, and maybe it's because he doesn't like constitutional care. Who knows? Uh, but honestly. We need to be having the conversation. It's time for Texas gun owners who want constitutional carry to stand up, evangelize to their neighbors, talk with their neighbors about it, talk with their friends. Don't just don't just put it on, oh, the, the legislators didn't vote for it. Well, hey, if you want it, have you been doing your work to, uh, to make sure this happens? Because at the end of the day, it can't be just me or just Mike or just a couple people going in trying to make this thing happen. It has to be everyone in Texas who wants constitutional carry to pass to stand up and make it pass. All right, so and Skip Davis, I see you. We come back from the break. I'm gonna bring you into this conversation. He's my my favorite, one of my favorite attorneys here in Austin. Texas voters sent a clear message to the elected officials in Texas by sending Republicans to the Texas House and Senate with the majority. Texas did not flip from red to blue. 
And also, the former Speaker of the Texas House was sent home packing because of his weak pro-gun stance. Now, Senator Bob Hall is trying to single-handedly kill the constitutional carry that we are trying to get passed here in Texas. Senator Bob Hall wants outside money and influencers to kill constitutional carry. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Jack Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're talking about the 2021 Texas session of the legislature. We're talking about, you know, the Travis County DA, Jose Garza. He's not playing around. He's, uh, man, he, uh, two awesome police officers are being indicted by this current DA, this brand new DA in Travis County. But let me bring to the conversation Skip Davis. He's an attorney here in Austin, Travis County. Skip Davis, welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. Hey, Happy New Year, Mike. I haven't spoken to you since the since the since the dawn of the new year, twenty twenty one. Yes, sir. Happy New Year too. Hey, this is a certainly interesting time. The topic of conversation is real is real timely today, and I, I wanted to I wanted to kind of remind folks that we need to we need to we we need to come up with some language to talk to uh, our voters and the constituents around Texas uh, if we're going to try to implement any plan to get them to vote for an overwhelmingly for a constitutional carry. Um, and the language you gotta, we, we got to adopt has got to, has got to evolve from the old um, chestnut, if you will, um, NRA language of, well, it's all right. And you'll have to peel my cold dead fingers off it and all that other nonsense. Um, the, the language I think that we need to adopt has to be the anti-scare language um, which uh, a lot of fear has been um, instituted in the public by the reckless behavior of the Proud Boys and these other people who are uh, attacking legislatures and throwing armed temper tantrums. So in order to try to avoid that kind of nonsense, and because there's a growing number of people who are afraid of, in, in metropolitan areas especially, afraid of open carry, we should try to abandon open carry and go to constitutional carry. And we should also uh, abandon license to carry. The reason why I say abandon license to carry is because that license to carry just puts you on a list of people that the government knows has guns. And if they want to, they'll either send a SWAT team to come get it. If they don't want you to have it, which will be extremely dangerous and you'll wind up in prison. As you know, I've represented people in those circumstances. We've even had a family on your show that was unfortunately caught in a SWAT SWAT team circumstance that turned out uh, badly for a police officer. But we also have to watch out. If we're going to be concerned about the government and, and election fraud, let me tell you what, you better watch out for them coming for your guns or taking your guns or because they've got the list. They're keeping the list. The list of LTCs is a list of gun owners. The other thing they have access to that they always say that they've never that, that they're not keeping records of is gun purchases. Oh yeah, we're just passing this through our computer system and checking it off and it's going right into the garbage. If you believe that to be true, we've got a problem. The government has uh, really been for the last about 16 years 
engaged in the suppression of Second Amendment rights and disguising the suppression of Second Amendment rights as, well, we're giving you the right to carry, but you have to make an application and all of these kinds of things. Um, so I urge that we, that we adopt language that says um, that constitutional carry is the way to go. And if you want to carry concealed, you can because that's constitutional carry. All and right. if you want to carry on your hip, you can. And make sure you're talking to the mic there, Skip. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. There you go. Um, I've got you on speakerphone. Anyway, those are the points I wanted to make about about the guns and uh, and and going into this uh, legislature and uh, and trying to get constitutional carry uh, to be considered more realistically. Okay. Um, I think we need to get the public involved. And let me let me bring uh, uh Derek Wills back into the conversation because Derek, you know, you're proud boys, right? Uh, no, no, no. Proud Boys and Boogaloo are completely different. Oh, you Boogaloo. Um, proud, proud, yeah, yeah. Proud, proud Boys are uh, are a bunch of nationalists and, and statists. Uh, but anyway, so the, here's the problem that I see uh, from, a, from a purely tactical standpoint. And uh, if the thing is, Lieutenant Governor Patrick is up for re-election in 2022, and he might have his eyes set on the governor's mansion. I don't know. But either way, he wants his to beef up his resume simply because you know the the Texas is starting to lean out, and he sees that as a problem. I think that uh, this this ballot initiative for constitutional carry could be uh, it could have negative unintended consequences if it goes to the ballot and all of these outside funding sources get the vote to be no. <laughs> and it fails. Which it will. Constitutional carry will be a dead issue for the foreseeable future because the entire marketing campaign around it, anytime it ever gets filed again, will be voters rejected that. We do not want it anymore. That's right. And yeah. And, and furthermore, Dan Patrick can say whatever he wants. Yeah, I, I, I did that. I helped and I pushed it and blah, 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 blah. And he'll get whatever election he might win. And the other issue is down ballot has significantly less people voting in it. And those propositions are always at the very end of the ballot. So you're going to be hard pressed to, to, to really actually get it to pass on a ballot initiative just because all of the outside funding is going to, and even inside funding is going to push hard to reject it. And you'll even get, card-carrying NRA members, because they still believe that the NRA protects their gun rights, uh, probably voting against it as well, because they will have some reason to. And that will kill constitutional carry. For, Texas will forever be a state that requires a license to carry the tools of self-defense. That's right. It's, it's a good, it's a really well-played chess move, I'm telling you right now. It's very oh, – if, if I wanted to kill this bill, this is exactly what I would do, exactly what I would do. Very well played. Hey, listen, as a, as a, as a, as a former serviceman, I'm kind of I'm kind of got some questions for you boogaloos. Um, I'm kind of sure. curious if you're – I guess you're not going to put me on, huh? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, go ahead. I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious about you boogaloos. You're the ones that are making us – that are making constitutional carry impossible, and then you're also trying to sell us into this, into this non, in, 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 into not taking any action. It sounds like. Gotcha there, Skip. And that's not. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> over over things like not wearing a mask, something as trivial as as imaginable in a pandemic that's proven by science 
the infection spreads by aerosol uh, ingestion uh, by close contact, and it's already proven internationally that the masks are effective. You guys wanted to raid a statewide, nationwide state capitals and legislatures over that, but here we've got a constitutional, we've got the right to carry guns under under direct attack, and you don't want to march on that. Uh, no, I, I know think what you, you might have a stand st- for. You guys sound like me. Sound like to me. You just stand for anything that causes trouble. Okay. And well, just to clarify, Proud Boys. All right. Well, just to clarify, Proud Boys and Boogaloo are completely different. Um, no, you're not. And... You're both, no, you're not. You're both. You're both bunch of traitors. And I served okay. this country in a long and hard fashion. You, and you know what? View, I, I took the same oath of enlistment arms, as you did. Anybody who takes up arms against the rightfully elected government, whether it's at state or or national or federal level, is a traitor. Now, I consider okay, so I guess, I guess, I guess, to I guess be the, the same, Patriots of 1775 were also traitors. 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 Uh, anyway, to answer your question, I don't know what you're talking about as far as raising hell about the mass. The Boog Boys weren't ever really a part of that. You know what I I did whenever I was at at protests? I was defending Black Lives Matters protesters. I was marching with Black Lives Matters. uh, And uh, show me some pictures. Show me some pictures of that, buddy. Let's see. Okay, them. I will go and get a picture for you right on, now and put, put it on, on Facebook. Facebook. And we're going to vet you. We're going to vet you, and we're going to vet your word. Okay, by all means. One of the reasons that I left Lone Star Gun Rights was yeah. over a disagreement about Garrett Foster's murder at a Black Lives Matter uh, protest. I firmly believe that he was murdered. And you are a traitor. That's a fact. You take up arms against our duly elected officials. You lost, you're losing, and you take up arms against the government. That, my friend, is insurrection, insurrection, and sedition. You get yours quit messing with mine. Keep your fingers out of my Second Amendment. Start putting your guns away and quit trying to bully elected officials. Okay. I, I guess we'll just let them continue to run all over us, right? I mean, they, they will uh, they'll continue. They'll, you know what? We're just going to sit back, and they'll do a, a national registry for firearms. They will ban AR platforms. They will ban magazine capacity over three rounds. And, and you know what? We'll, we'll just sit back and relax because, you know, we wouldn't want to be traitors now, would we? All right. So... I want to get back to and, and thank you that uh, for Derek and thank you, uh, uh, Skip Skip there for calling in. I want to get I want to get back to talking about uh, Texas. I want to talk about you know what's happening at the legislature. I want to talk about the there are a lot of different bills out there that I want to break down and discuss because uh, there are a lot of anti gun bills. I think we have the most anti gun bills that actually have been filed in in the state of Texas yeah. in the history of Texas. Yeah. and I also want to talk. I want to go back to how do we talk about constitutional carry just. You know, what, what are the talking points on it, apart from strategy issues? Let's discuss that, too. Okay. All right. We come back from the break. We'll talk about that. Going to talk about House Bill 164-395, the red flag gun confiscation bill. House Bill 172-241, banning the sale or transfer of possession of commonly owned semi-automatic firearms. House Bill 178, House Bill 234, banning the sale and transfer of possession of standard capacity magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. House Bill 185, mandating firearms to be stored in locked gun cases, safes or, safes or cabinets. House Bill 196, repealing key elements of Texas Castle Doctrine Law, uh, including stand your ground and 
and no duty to retreat. House Bill 201, repealing Texas campus carry law. House Bill 231, uh, raising the minimum age for the purchase of a semi-automatic rifle and handguns. Uh, this is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we have Rachel Malone of Gun Owners of America. She's talking to us about some bills in the Texas legislative session. A lot of anti-gun bills. And, you know, Rachel, you know, what are our talking points this session? What are some of the things that we need to focus on? We go to the Capitol. Yeah, so I had a conversation with a gentleman from a different state, one that is uh, facing a lot of uh, gun confiscation bills and just, you know, in his mind, trying to hold the line. But I challenge him about constitutional care to think about um, the concept of should we really require a permit for for gun owners to carry a gun? And my stance, as you all know, is if you can legally own it, you should be able to carry that handgun open or concealed, no license required. He thought about it and he said, you know, I, I, I get it about our right to keep and bear arms, but um, I, I just don't want anybody out there carrying a gun. I really want people to get training, you know, just some, at least a basic level of training. I think that would be good. And I said, you know what? I a hundred percent agree with you. It'd be good for people to get training more than just a basic level. People should get a lot of training every single year. Um, they should be um, constantly trying to improve their skills. They should have a good quality handgun. They should have a good quality holster. They should talk nicely to their spouse. They should look both ways before they cross the street and drink plenty of water every day and get at least eight hours of sleep at night. I agree with that. People should do those things. But what we need to think about is anytime you ask the government to require those things and put a criminal penalty on violating those rules, then you are asking the government to go to these people if they break that law, if they don't jump through those government hoops to get a license. You know, even if they're perfectly safe, they're perfectly safe on the street, they're not murdering anyone, they're not doing anything wrong, but they just didn't jump through the hoops. You're asking government to go and arrest them, throw them in jail at gunpoint. If they refuse to go to jail, then the officer can shoot them if it, if it actually escalates to that point. So you're, that's what you're asking for when you ask for the permit requirement or any other law, for example, um, gun registries or gun uh, background checks or various other things like that. You're, you're asking to put these penalties on and make a law to do the thing that you think people should do, but that means cops can go at gunpoint, throw them in jail if they refuse, shoot them. Is that really what you want? That's not what I want. All right. So, Derek Wills, you know, what about Philando Castile? You know, Philando Castile um, had a, was legally, you know, carrying a firearm. He was shot by law enforcement, a police officer, like five times. But yeah, that was an absolute tragedy, tragedy and uh, he was murdered. Uh, wh what about it? Uh, it just, you know, it just, uh, some people are worried, they're concerned that, you know, if we do do this, you know, how is that going to look, you know, to some communities who are, you know, the poor, the the poor community, uh, the communities, oh, no, no. That, I, communities where law enforcement, when they go in, they go in with a heavy hand, you know, like your poor, your poor communities, your, your Hispanic, your black communities, you know, how is this going to look in those communities, constitutional carry? Right. No. And I get what you're saying. I mean, just a few days ago, last week, there was a, a gun rights rally in Virginia where uh, cops uh, disarmed several black men who were legally carrying at the gun rights rally. 
so no, I absolutely understand that. And, and, and that is a huge issue that needs to be dealt with. I think that tactically, uh, there needs to be more outreach into minority and underrepresented, uh, underrepresented communities. Their gun rights seem to have this straight white Christian male face to it. And there needs to be a focus on, uh, on inclusion. Not, I'm not saying that that people should have more rights or less rights depending on, you know, their race, social status, age, what have you. But the thing is that, and this isn't about affirmative action. It is though. There needs to be a clarity of what gun rights means. We need to say gun rights are for everyone. Gun rights are black rights. Gun rights are women's rights. Gun rights are gay rights. Gun rights are trans rights. Gun rights are human rights. The thing is, we need to be so inclusive and reach out to all of these people and teach them and and help them understand why we love gun rights so much because without it, we don't essentially have any rights because the government has stolen all of them from us. So I think that part of this is we really, really, really need to uh, reach out to these underrepresented communities. And I'm not talking about uh, poke, you know, uh, bringing them out and then putting them on a spotlight and just showcasing them like, see, we got, we got a black guy here, Michael. See, he's pro-Second Amendment. It's great. No, we need to really listen to them and we need to understand what issues they might have whenever it comes to things like Philando Castile. We need to tell them, yeah, that was wrong. The NRA was absolutely wrong saying silent on that whole thing. That man was murdered by law enforcement for committing no crime. And we need to explain that, yes, you are going to be in a in a in a a harder spot for a little bit longer. But the thing is, the gun is the great equalizer, and I think you would much rather uh, have the means to defend yourself against an agent of the state who is hell-bent on murdering you than to sit there and just be executed. Mm. And maybe there are several other means. I'm just kind of spitballing here. But I think minority outreach and underrepresented outreach definitely needs to be a part of the tactic whenever it comes to getting constitutional carry passed. All right. There's also uh, some other anti-gun stuff out there like House Bill 603 by Representative Tara Medza, which prohibits Texas from recognizing a license to carry issued by another state. Uh, the measure repeals the state law allowing the governor to negotiate carry license reciprocity agreements with other states and requires DPS to revoke all existing agreements. Ah, that's crazy. All right, so Rachel, you know, so what are our talking points? You know, uh, well, we you just told us the talking right. points, but I want to get into, you know, what are some of the pro-gun bills that are out there? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's great because, honestly, one of our best talking points is let's stop just saying, oh, we have to fight back against the gun control. If we, uh, let me tell you what, I heard so much about Terry Mays' horrible bill that was going to repeal um, Stand Your Ground doesn't repeal castle doctrine does repeal stand your ground if people would put half that energy into fighting to restore our freedoms that are currently being infringed we'd already be there mm. and that's that's what really ticks me off is that people will get their uh get so upset and ticked off about something that's not going to pass um and refuse to put energy into things that could pass if they would work on it so yes okay let me let me calm down a little bit take a little <laughs> breath okay everything's great um so the good bills Good bills. So we've got constitutional carry by Biederman. And again, yes, we do have the bill um, that would put all the statutory things in the right place, as well as 
the constitutional amendment that would honestly, if it did pass, let's let's take it this far too as a chess game. It would protect against um, a Democrat takeover um, of of reps and senators who wanted to change the law. They wouldn't be able to without reversing that constitutional amendment. So let's let's play that chess game too, and we have to understand that. Um, and so, for those people that don't know what constitutional carry is. Yeah, constitutional carry means if you own it, you should be able to carry it. No license required. So you should be able to carry your handgun without a permit. Okay. Um, so we've got that bill filed. That's HB 1238 in the House. Um, we've also got a very interesting bill, uh, the Domestic Violence uh, Victim Defense Bill. And that is HB 1094 by Representative Oliverson, um, who he's filed a couple of very interesting, really, really great bills. So that one would say that if you are currently being protected, um, under a protective order or a variety of other orders, um, or even if you're a member of the family or household of somebody like that, not the abuser, but the ones who are being abused um, and being victimized, it recognizes that piece of paper is not going to keep you safe. And it says you have the ability to carry your firearm. If you're 18 or older, you can legally possess it. You can carry that firearm. Uh, no license required. Also, um, through gun-free zones. Now, let me be really clear. I think all of us should have that ability. But let's also understand that victims of domestic violence, like they already have someone who's trying to abuse them, and I would love for them to have help. And, and this is also a great talking point um, for all the reps who try to say, you know, we have to pass red flag laws to protect the, the victims of domestic violence. Oh, really? You're going to give them a piece of paper? That's really cute. That's adorable. You want to give the victims a piece of paper to protect them. We'd rather let them have a gun to defend themselves and be their own first defenders. So we've got those. Um, we've got a whole host of bills, um, a, a collection of bills that would um, uh, prohibit our state from enforcing federal gun grab regulations for guns, ammo, accessories, um, and one specific to suppressors. And then we've also got another uh, another bill also aimed against protecting from federal infringements that would say any gun made in Texas from Texas parts that stays in Texas is not subject to federal regulations. And yeah, it is a little bit of a longer game with these bills. There would be a, a fight in the courts for it. Let's have it. Let's go there. Um, let's let's make sure Texas is doing every single possible thing we can to protect our rights. So those are those are some of the some of the top categories of bills that I'm seeing. All right. All right. And then so what so Derek, what do you think about those? Oh, no, those all sound fine and dandy. But, it, uh, of course, from a philosophical standpoint, me being the uh, resident ANCAP here, I think that this is just indicative of the fact that the state has too much power because they can actually make these decisions for the individual. And, and if, you know, like Rachel said, uh, they have a, a monopoly on violence. So if you don't comply with them, they will send men with guns to uh, invoke violence on you and up to and including death should you not comply. Uh, I, I, you know, but then again, I am not going to oppose anything that actually helps the individual empower themselves. Yeah. I think that the uh, domestic violence bill is a huge and wonderful tactic, but also just a great thing because uh, these people have already been uh, a, a victim. And they still have their abuser out there looking for them uh, and could come up on them at any time. Um, I do think that just having constitutional carry would be a much better solution to that. But I'm not going to I'm not going to oppose somebody something because I don't think it goes far enough. Uh, I don't like the baby steps approach, but, you know, I 
I'll support what I can get. Absolutely. Um, the, the only thing that I have a question on is you said, Rachel, that it allows them to carry past 30-06, 30-07 signs. Is that what you said, that domestic violence bill? So I define gun-free zones as the place where government says you shall not carry in this. So 46.03, 46.035. Um, and that's that's what it addresses. Okay, so so thirty out six and thirty out seven still stay and are enforceable. It whenever still it comes stays, to this. but remember we changed that last year also to say there's no penalty um, if you carry past a thirty out six or thirty out seven um, until you get a verbal warning from somebody in charge of the place and you refuse to leave. That's what it is now. Right, right, right. Yes, yes. Okay, that, okay. Yeah, right, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. So we we did change that last year. So right. at least there's there's that that helps. All right. All right okay. So we, well, I, I I was just I was just asking for clarification on if uh you know it it. If that would still apply to to the domestic violence bill, I think it's fantastic. I really do. Um, I uh, y'all, you guys have my full support. You know that. Um, you know, I I know that. Um, uh, I know that you guys work hard and and y'all are pushing a lot of good stuff. Um, and you know, I I, I hope that uh, that CJ and and Justin and all the other guys that have been helping out throughout the you know throughout the years have, are. are able to help you guys out even more this year. I'm, I don't know how optimistic I am that we'll see anything real uh, because of the way the legislature is designed. Uh, but, you know, but we got to push it. I'm going to support you. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm going to support you guys as much as I can, for sure. All right. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talkin'. This is Foley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Talk 13-7. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. Travis County District Attorney Jose Garza announced the return of three indictments against three law enforcement officers arising out of two separate incidents which were presented to a grand jury and will be prosecuted by the office's Civil Rights Unit. So on Wednesday, December 16, 2020, the grand jury returned a two-count indictment charging Travis County Sheriff's Office Corrections Officer Shannon D. Owens with the felony offenses of aggravated perjury, Texas Penal Code 37.03, and tampering with a government record with the intent to defraud or harm another, Texas Penal Code 37.10. Mr. Owens' case will be prosecuted and is currently pending in the 50th Judicial District Court for Travis County. Also on Wednesday, January 20th, 2021, APD officers Gregory Gentry and Chance Breches were indicted for the felony offense of aggravated assault by a public servant, serious bodily injury, deadly weapon, a first-degree felony under Section 22.02, and of the Texas Penal Code by the 147th Special Grand Jury extended July 2020 term. So these cases will be prosecuted and are pending in the 299th Judicial District Court. Now, the 147th Special Grand Jury also returned a no bill on a third officer related to this incident. So let me bring it to the conversation, Skip Davis. Skip Davis, what do you think about uh, what Jose Garza is doing, the Travis County District Attorney? Well, I, um, I think it's really, really interesting. Um, you know, Michael, um, as you well know, I've been um, on the front lines uh, defending citizens against police aggression uh, for 15 years now and um, have been 
trying to advocate for stricter limitations and closer oversight of uh, police activities simply because um, the, 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 the problem of being pulled over by a police officer uh, in a lot of cases has turned into a, 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 an opportunity for a, a butt whipping um, at the minimum um, and a shooting uh, at the absolute worst, a lot of times without anybody ever really giving any meaningful oversight. So I find that it's, um, it's almost refreshing that um, some of these bad officers who think that um, a butt whipping uh, goes along with every police encounter um, that they uh, have with, uh, with law enforcement, um, I, I think it's time that that piece of the culture changes, and it's only going to change if we start prosecuting the guys who take batons out and tasers out and beat up people for, uh, um, you know, for exercising their rights or for talking back to a police officer, contempt of cop, we call it. I, but I, I have to ask this one thing, mm-hmm. Mike. Yes, sir. I would add this. I would say um, the question we have to ask ourselves as a community is, um, is this been something that's a long time coming? We've been waiting for this. Or is it something that's going to be really bad down the road for law enforcement and for law enforcement recruiting? Mm-hmm. Um, should law enforcement be able to um, exercise their rights to defend themselves against you more than you have the right to defend yourself against them when they initiate a, a, a violent conduct mm-hmm. contact with you? Okay. Uh, well, you know, I, I think we should get rid of a lot of these different rules and make them stick to what the Texas law says and just, you know, focus on that. And then if they are wrong, we prosecute them. That's like we prosecute any other citizen. I don't I think we need to hold police to a much higher standard, you know, like we do commercial truck drivers. We hold them, we hold them to a higher standard. So I think we need to do the same thing for law enforcement. I, I think you're right. But one of the one of the I think the place to start is here. This will be interesting, but unfortunately, I think it's going to cause a rift within the law enforcement community between the district attorney's office and the law enforcement officers who are on the street and it, the jail. Yeah, well, we I mean we need to send that clear message that if you commit a crime, you know, even though you're a police officer, you commit a crime. Uh, we need to send that message that you know what you're going to be prosecuted. I think what this DA is doing, I think, is he's doing the right thing. He's going back. He look, he's looking at some of these cases and saying, you know what? This officer did something wrong and should be prosecuted for it. And I, I, I think he's doing the right thing. But what is that going to do for recruiting down the road? It, it, um, it means that, hey, you know what? Don't you know, you need to be a good citizen. You need to be a good law enforcement officer. And you know what? Uh, you know, if you know you're your fellow officer, you know, something's going on. You don't say something. You know, this, you know, what is it? What do we say about that? You know, one spoiled apple spoils, you know, it, it kills the whole bunch. That's right. Well, that's a, that's going to be an interesting reach. Um, first off, we've got um, uh, we, we've got a, a governor who's in, who's locked his horns in combat with the city council um, who are talking about trying to reorganize the way that we fund police and what police's obligations are in the community, what they should respond to, what they shouldn't respond to. We've got the governor locked and horn, horns locked up and. In, 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 in a battle over homelessness, um, that should be easier to solve by throwing money at it than by throwing political vitriol back and forth. And, and I think people need to and come we, up. People need to come up and show up at the Capitol and 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 
let the elected officials, our Texas legislature, know that, you know, this is what's going on in the community. And before you throw money at this problem, before you throw money at what's happening, you need to make sure that you also put in there, you know, we're going to hold them accountable when they're wrong. Well, and, and, and that's the interesting, that's where we're stuck. Right now, we've got the district attorney as one mechanism, apparently the only mechanism um, that's reviewing these cases for presentation to the grand jury. I'll guarantee you that the police are rarely doing it unless it's an obvious case like Javier Ambler or, uh, or Mr. Ramon. Um, those are pretty obvious cases. Those got to go to the grand jury. But in the closer cases um, where the police monitors or what they call now the Office of Police Oversight um, is controlled by, funded by, and housed within the uh, Austin Police Department, well, that makes it a harder place, a harder case for, for a citizen to go report the crime, which means then the only other place that the crime gets reported to the, to the uh, uh, district attorney for presentation to the grand jury is if the defense attorney who represents the guy that got beat up and ultimately arrested by the cops for some fake crime that they've uh, used to justify beating this guy up. Right. Um, if, if the defense attorney brings it to the DA's office, but the DA ain't listening to defense attorneys very often. So this is a whole new place we're at. I think the next move has to be an independent office of police oversight that has subpoena power and can draw people in to make sworn statements to the independent body, one that will not make citizens scared to go report to, um, one that has investigators assigned to it, and, uh, and its mission is to report misconduct. That they find, not that the DA finds, not that the police department finds, because, you know, we all know if you have the cops, police, you know, the fox guard in the head house kind of thing. Right. All right. So I well, think we have to go one step further, and that's to the uh, off, we need to reform the Office of Police Oversight uh, in a major way still. All right. All right. Thank you, Skip. Man, I appreciate that. And uh, we're going to talk about this down the road. Got, I'm going to have a, a former DA on the show. Hopefully next weekend we can talk about this as well. So we'll come back to you on that one. I want to go back to Rachel Malone. Uh, Rachel, you know, uh, what should we expect, you know, this session, Texas legislature? So what we should expect and hold our legislators to is to push them to advance our gun freedoms. So don't just be satisfied with killing the bad bills. Yes, we have to do that. We have to kill the expanded background checks we talked about. We have to kill the red flag law, gun confiscation orders, which if you don't know what a red flag law is, it's a way for government to take your guns before you've committed a crime just based on your thought crime. We've got to kill that. We have to do more than just that. So we have to pass some of the positive uh, freedom-restoring legislation that we've already discussed, like constitutional carry, um, like the federal firearms protection. And a couple of ones, other ones you need to be aware of super quick are the anti-red flag law bill that would say if the federal government tries to tell the states they have to be involved in red flag laws, that's a no-go. We're not going to do it. Also, another great bill, a, a series of bills that would repeal the governor's uh, power to regulate our gun, our gun uh, handling and use and storage and transportation and carry during a state of emergency. Right now, the governor has that power. Thankfully, our governor hasn't used it. We want to make sure no future governor ever uses an emergency or a pandemic to restrict our gun rights. All right. And so remember that. Get to the Capitol. Uh, let's make sure you let them know what your thoughts are, because you can only do this between now and June. If you don't stop what's the bad stuff happening between now and June, uh, then we're going to be stuck with this stuff probably forever. It happens now between now and June, as always.
more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've listened to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. I'll take my life.